Congregation, I invite you now to turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, we uh, began this uh, great chapter uh, last week, looking at what faith is. Today I I entitled the message, What Faith Understands, and uh, that uh, comes from Verse 3, and verse 3 will be our focus. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Or one, I'm sorry, 1 through uh, 7. No, 1 through 6. I'm, <laughs> 1 through 6. Uh, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 6 of Hebrews 11, but our focus will be verse 3. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gift. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessing upon your word now this morning. Lord, we pray that you would grant to us understanding, and that your word would penetrate our minds to our very souls and change us and affect us and, Lord, sanctify us that we may more and more give glory and honor to you, loving you and loving our neighbors and bearing fruit. For Jesus' sake, amen. May please be seated. Congregation, what would you say to a friend of yours, a Christian friend of yours, who uh, confided in you that they were really struggling and thinking about just leaving the faith? What would you say to that friend? What would you say to that person? There's many places, I think many ways, that we could deal with such a situation. What I find very interesting and instructive is that what the writer of Hebrews does, God, uh, the Holy Spirit, inspiring him to do so, is he takes such a scenario and brings that person, if you will, to creation. To creation. The universe was formed at God's command. We need to think biblically and recognize and understand that doctrine, teaching, is actually encouraging and it's comforting. And in Hebrews chapter 11, 
You recall Hebrews is written to debilitated Christians who were contemplating leaving the faith. And the writer of Hebrews writes to these hurting Christians, encouraging them, telling them, look to Jesus. Why would you turn away? He is superior, far greater than all else. Warning them of what will happen if they fall away from the faith. And then giving, in Hebrews 11 particularly, these wonderful examples of fellow Christians, some of whom lived very hard lives, who kept the faith. This is how the writer encourages his hearers. And here he says, and by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. This is the doctrine of creation. We're all familiar with that. It's a very, uh, in many ways, controversial doctrine, the doctrine of creation. And yet here it is used to encourage, to strengthen, and to comfort hurting Christians. So how... Is that possible? Why does he go there? Why does the Holy Spirit inspire him to go there? So let's, uh, let's look at this passage together. What do we understand by faith? Remember, it is a passage. All, Hebrews 11 particularly is the heroes of the faith chapter. What do we understand by faith? <clears throat> Well, we understand that the universe was formed by God's command, by God's word, by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. That the universe was formed by God's demand. How, how can we know anything about Origins. How can we know anything about the uh, beginnings of this world and of creation of the universe? Well, science can be very helpful. I think we would all uh, uh, say that that is so. And uh, just that you understand, I am in no way, I, I think science is wonderful when it is rightly done because science is going to show uh, what God has done in the universe. Science deals with God's general revelation, the, uh, the world and what we see and what we can feel. It deals with those things and is very helpful in understanding that when it is rightly applied. Of course, we know uh, that science isn't perfect and uh, scientists are sinful, and some scientists, it, come, it comes out that they have agendas, and all of that is the case, and so we have to be wise, and we have to be discerning about these things. Uh, but we should never be a people, the people of God should never be a people who are afraid of science, ever. 
because science will reveal and helps us understand, quite frankly, the wonders of God's creation and the wonder of God as creator. And so science can be very helpful in our understanding of the world and even understanding the, the past, but it is limited. There are things that science cannot tell me or tell you. It cannot tell us why the universe exists. It can't do that. It doesn't do that. It doesn't tell us how the universe began. This is why there's theories. But it doesn't tell us how the universe began. And it doesn't tell us why you exist or why I exist. Science can't give us those answers. So we can only know about origins and specifically those questions by special revelation, by divine revelation. And God tells us that he commanded, is by the, the word of God, by the word of his mouth, he commanded, and all things came into being. The universe was formed. So when God says, let there be, those words from the almighty God are sufficiently powerful to cause what did not previously exist to come into being. Let there be. And so when you read in Genesis 1, God's saying, let there be light. There's light. God spoke the universe into being. And this is what faith gets. Faith understands that. It's actually quite reasonable. The, uh, uh, the, the, the modern concept of faith, which is a wrong concept, it's a skewed concept, it, that concept is that, that faith is a blind leap into something that is even irrational, irrational and, and unexplainable without any reason or, or is unreasonable, but it's still people are going to hold to that. And, and that seems to be the mindset of what faith is, the, 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 the current uh, understanding of faith, kind of a blind leap. And we should be the first to say, that's not true at all. That's not what faith is. That isn't what faith is, according to Hebrews chapter 11. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, not because it's some blindness. It's because the God who exists and who created all things told us. That's very, what could be more reasonable than believing the God who created all things? 
What could be more reasonable than that? What can be more reasonable than to believe the God who cannot lie? And when we think about creation, we think about the origins. What could be more reasonable than to listen to the witness of the only eyewitness? (laughs) The only one who was present is God himself. What can be more reasonable than to believe the one who actually was there? And who's telling us this is how it happened. So it's not unreasonable. The writer is encouraging these debilitated Christians. You're struggling. Yes, life is hard. And sometimes holding on to the faith is hard. And the world, all the world is against you. But your God is the creator. Your God is the maker of heaven and earth. You can trust him. Do you really think he will fail you? Now you see why the writer brings in this matter of creation. That he is, God is the one who created all things. If that is so... He is trustworthy. And, you know, actually, the the writer of Hebrews is not the first that does this to encourage debilitated Christians. Every Sunday morning, we begin by, by quoting Psalm 121. Our help comes in the name of the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. You see... When we get that, when we understand that all things exist by the, 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 the power and the will of God who spoke and created. Well, I can rest in that God. I can, I can put hope and find comfort in that powerful, sovereign being. In Isaiah chapter 40, God's people are in Babylon. They're sad. And God sends Isaiah to give them this message. I am the creator. I am the creator. Sometimes we need to just, let's go down to real basics. (laughs) Let's go down to to root things. God is the maker of heaven and earth. And if that's the case, we can trust him. It's a wonderful declaration. It's not just theological. It's not just some, you know, interesting study and, you know, this doctrine of creation that, you know, theologians can bicker about. It is comforting and encouraging to the people of God. Jesus said, my father is always working. That is, he's upholding creation. He is always, uh, 
He, he is in, engaged in his providential care of creation. Why would you believe in the miraculous conception of Jesus Christ but deny that God created? In John 1, we have that. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Or Colossians 1, all things are created by Him and for Him. This is is why you exist. You're made for Him. For him. What a lesson in counseling, isn't it? But we not only listen to the counselee, the one who is hurting and needing help, but we help them to see how great the Lord is. How great the Lord is. The greater the Lord is in your eyes, the more your life will make sense. And so it's not surprising then that in Hebrews 11, talking about faith, faith understands that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Well, what are some of the implications of this? I'm sure you can think of several implications. But one of them is this, that we do not live in an impersonal universe. Many people believe that we do. Many people are living your neighbors, people in your neighborhood, people maybe who you work with or go to school with or whatever, they believe that they are living in some impersonal world where, you know, they, by chance, whatever that is, or by accident or whatever, they happen to be born into this place that somehow, poof, became, you know, into existence, and uh, their life has no meaning. It's just, you know, we, I live, and, you know, I'll try to live a good life. Some people think others don't really care what all, at, at all whether they live a good life or not. That's, the, everything's very impersonal. It's just very, we exist. And then we die. And that's the end. What this tells us is we do not live in an, in an impersonal universe. God exists. And we are answerable to him. In Romans 1, I mean, that's the great indictment is that sinful man wants to be autonomous. But the reality is we're not. We're not. We have a personal God to whom we give account, must give an account. Another implication is that there are many false beliefs regarding creation and origins. 
And this, of course, we could spend a, a week-long conference talking about uh, this matter. But uh, this tells us that the theory of evolution is false. It's a very modern theory, considering the history of the world. It's very recent. Where those uh, who adhere to it believe that they're most, anyway, believe that this world began by some big bang and that there were uh, the initial elements necessary to, in that, from that big bang, bang to uh, bring life, which evolved till we have human beings like you and me. You know, frankly, not only is that contradicted by the facts, it is, I mean, nothing comes from nothing. <laughs> nothing comes from nothing. I mean, you know, scientists understand that. Nothing comes from nothing. But it's contradicted by the God who created all things. He doesn't tell us, by faith, you believe in the Big Bang. And evolution, where some polywog grew legs and started, you know, and over millions and millions of years evolved into human. God doesn't tell us that. He, he tells us that he created by the word of his mouth. Let there be. You know, most people know, I think, in their souls that they don't exist only by chance. We repress the truth. But most people, I think, understand. So the theory of evolution is false. And by the way, the URC, United Reformed Churches, of which we are a part, has made that declaration. Uh, with which I wholeheartedly agree that what we have in the scriptures and in our confessions are incompatible with the theory of evolution. Materialism is false. Materialism holds that physical, physical matter is, is the only reality. Physical matter is the only reality. There's no reality beyond the things that we could see or feel. That's materialism, which is, again, very uh, common, very popular today. Uh, but the fact is, God exists. He, he doesn't have a body. God is a spirit and has placed eternity in our hearts. And understanding this has implications for many things. And again, uh, there, there are a number of areas that we could go with that. But 
think about the 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 terrible awful uh, place that we are in as a nation when it comes to abortion. This little life, what this means, when if we hold to materialism, <coughs> belief that physical matter is, is the only reality, then that life that is growing in the womb that's really no different than a tumor. It's just something in the body that, well, we can get rid of if we can. But God exists and has placed eternity in our hearts so that that little life in the womb is made in the image of God. And that little life in the womb is as valuable as any other human being. Because of that, any other human life that is created by God. Materialism's false. And pantheism is false. Pantheism holds that God is everything. That God is the tree. God is the grass. God is the clouds. <laughs> the sun. That God is everything. God is omnipresent. We believe that. But he is distinct from his creation. That shouldn't be too hard to understand. We are present here. But you're not a pew. I'm not a pulpit. I'm here present. But there's a distinction between me and the pulpit. There's a distinction between you and the pew. Those are, those are two different things. And God is God. He's, he's present with the trees. He's present with the grass. But he isn't the tree. He isn't the grass. That's something that God has made. But pantheism says that God is everything. And that is false. God is the creator, the maker of all things. So I've said there are some implications. One is that we don't live in an, in an impersonal universe. Another implication is that there are many false beliefs regarding creation and regarding origins. Another uh, implication, is, which is closely tied to the first, is that our lives are purposeful. Our lives are purposeful. We're not, we don't live just at the mercy of our circumstances. What is true of creation, brothers and sisters, is also true of recreation. We are new creations, new creatures. God created this world out of nothing, and he recreates sinners out of nothing. This is called grace. The creator of the universe gave his son, his only begotten son, for you. Think of that. He loved you and loves you and has given you a purpose 
its core is to glorify him and enjoy him forever. The point of Genesis 1, the creation story, is to say, your covenant God is creator. Your covenant God is the creator. Don't worship the sun like the Egyptians. Don't worship the stars. Don't worship the Nile River. God is the one who made those things. Your covenant God is the one who made the stars and the sun and the Nile and all things. That is, and, and, and that's your God. Your God. Behold your God. Worship your God. And what the writer is saying is, faith gets this. Faith grasps this. Faith rests in this. <clears throat> it understands the big picture, recognizing that in light of this, you have purpose. That you exist not by accident, but because of the eternal wonderful purposes and decrees of the God who created all things. So the writer's saying, I know things are hard. I know life is difficult. But let me tell you something. Your God, your God is the creator of all things. He is the maker of heaven and earth. He's not some helpless bystander. <laughs> wow. He's not some helpless bystander. What this is saying is exactly what we profess each Sunday morning. Our help comes in the name of the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are creator. And we thank you, Lord, that because that is so, our existence, our lives are meaningful. And you have given us a purpose to glorify you and to enjoy you forever. Oh, Lord, May we be ever conscious of that and rejoice in it and be about that. So, Lord, encourage. Encourage the hurting souls who may even be present here this morning. You are the creator, God. You are our God who in Christ has redeemed us. So, Lord, comfort our hearts and strengthen us in the faith. For Jesus' sake, amen.